Jesus died for you, but he rose from the dead to be in you. Welcome to the Purpose Podcast. Our goal for everyone everywhere to follow Jesus. So that includes you and your friends and everybody else that you can think of. Let's get deeper. Hey, Purpose people, welcome to the Purpose Podcast, your show for everything Purpose Church. This show is a show to give you a chance to process your Christian life and talk frankly and honestly about what it means to be a Christian in our culture today. We believe that growing people change, and our goal is to give you the tools to help you have a deeper, more vibrant relationship with Jesus. Also, my personal goal is to give you access to some of the people who have influenced my walk with Jesus, um, so that can be helpful. Thank you so much for joining us today. Is It's March 21st, I think. I don't know. I get confused. 2017. This is episode six. My name is Jarrett Lamaster. I'm the worship pastor and the young adults pastor here at Purpose. And thankfully, it's not just me talking to you today. I have smarter, more interesting, and funnier people <laughs> uh, to talk to you. So he is my friend, and his name is Chris Brown. Uh, I like to call him Chris Brown because that's his name. And um, he's radical, and he's a senior pastor at North Coast Church in San Diego. And if you're here on Sunday, you would know that he was also he used to be the, the high school pastor here at Purpose Church. So we have a long history. Um, and uh, anyway, so without further ado, we love him. We know him. We love him. Yes, it's, indeed. It's Chris Brown. He's Chris a Brown, guy. everyone. Hey, hey, what's up, Chris? How are you? Doing good. Hey, thanks for having me on this. And Purpose Church, those of you that are tuning in and listening, let me just say once again, amazing to be back home, even if it's just audio. I loved hanging out there this weekend, but any and every chance I can get to come back and be part of what's happening there on the corners of Holt and Gary and beyond. Absolutely love it. So thanks. I love it. Thank you for uh, letting people know where the church is. Not many of our guests have done that. Uh, <laughs> and I don't do it very often either. Uh, yes. Yeah, so by the way, also we have our producer on uh, today. Hello. His name's uh, David Brandon. He's very cool. He might chime in every once in a while. Hi, David. How are you? I'm outstanding. It's good you to be are here. outstanding. He is outstanding, everyone. <laughs> Um, I'm very, very excited to have him here. Okay, so Brandon, David Brandon, you guys have a history, don't you? Oh, he was like, uh, I think I met him when he was 13 years old, maybe 14 years old. Yeah. Little scrawny dude. Um, absolutely love that guy. And it's amazing right now to see a full beard on a 13-year-old boy. <laughs> yeah, the full beard, some, some male, beard pattern, male pattern baldness, a little bit of that. That's going on. I can say that. I can say that. Because I have, I've suffered that myself, uh, so I've gone through that pain. And um, so I can point it out in other people and laugh at them. Long-suffering. It takes a large man to be able to laugh at those, all those pains. Anyway, so Chris, let's talk. Uh, so tell us, tell us about, a little bit about what you do now, just so that people know. Um, my job right now is to have the most fun of any person alive in America or the Western Hemisphere uh, for that purpose. That and sounds like an awesome job. It is an incredible job. <laughs> as long as I can, we are down in North County, San Diego area, so a really tough place to have to serve the Lord. Mm, yeah. um, we're in a, a multi-site church. We've got five different campuses. Uh, my job as a lead pastor, senior pastor, is uh, really making sure our staff stays healthy and strong, teaching the Word, and casting some vision and direction. Um, really, hire the best possible people. Try to stay out of their way. Don't try to do their jobs mm -hmm. for them and take a lot of naps. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Um, napping is very important uh, for inspiration. I would say, okay, so you're you're kind of a leadership guy. Your church is a leader is known for the leadership. Um, 
I am also, I, I study leadership. I just graduated from APU with my master's in leadership and I, I am a huge fan of leadership. So if you can give us something, just kind of give us your model, you and, and how you guys go about that process in your church, the, the leadership structure, because North Coast is known as a healthy church as far as leadership goes. Not many churches are, and so it's a unique place. Uh, can you kind of give us a little bit of insight into how you guys do it there? Yeah, I would say probably right off the bat, I think one of the reasons we're healthy is because leadership is not an individual. Uh, leadership is in the gifts that God has brought to your church, um, and that's going to be far more than a person. So we are uh, trying to be huge examples and believers and teachers of shared leadership models. How do you get multiple people involved uh, with same titles, with authority on the platform? Everything from decision-making to the teaching teams to um, groups all from the top all the way down through children's ministry, through how we serve. Um, everything is going to be team leadership here at North Coast, which means you don't have a individual running any really given show or ministry. You have someone that has to be a managing partner. If the buck has to stop with someone, I think there has to be a managing partner. Mm -hmm. um, but ministry in any level of our organization, you're going to find multiple partners that are leading and all using their gifts and right. incredible. So it's kind of like a team. It's a team model, but it's also a shared leadership model where you guys are literally handing off leadership to other people. You're saying you you are gifted in this area. You shine. You do exactly what you're gifted to do. And um, I will, I'll be here to resource you as your leader. Yeah. And it's, you know, a lot of places will use, you know, people with singing gifts or teaching gifts from leadership, but they don't give them the authority to do with it. It's, mm -hmm. And so we're far more than just, hey, you're gifted in this area, lead. It's like, hey, if you're going to lead in this area, mm -hmm. you also have authority in that area. And so it's not just a, a puppet leadership where we put you up there because you have gifts, but you're also making the calls, the decisions. Mm -hmm. We're going to get a North Star and some boundaries to run in. But outside of that, you design it, you create it, you make the calls even when it comes to budgets, when it comes to finances, direction, um, you know, stay under our North Star of who we are and what we do. And outside of that, man, that's good. Yeah, that's really, really cool. I, I think that's a really good model for Christians because each of us are gifted in unique ways. And I think as Christians, by nature, uh, each of us is a leader in our environment. So we need to be able to know that we have the authority to do things and make decisions um, under Christ and, and by the Holy Spirit. Uh, one of the pushbacks I have, though, is people always talk leadership is giftedness, you know, and leadership. And we talk about the pros of that. Every individual has blind spots and weaknesses. That's cool. Definition, if leadership is an individual, you've got major weaknesses and blind spots in your organization. The beauty of leading, like you said, in teams, I say we lead in circles, not in lines. When you look at an art of an organization, they're going to have all these lines. This person reports to this person, reports to this person. We put circles around there, not lines. So there's five to six, five to seven individuals oh. in decision-making tiers. What it does then, all of my weaknesses and all of my blind spots, which, by the way, for any leader listening today, you don't know your blind spot. That's mm -hmm. why it's a blind spot. Mm -hmm. So thinking that, oh, yeah, I know my weaknesses. I, you know, I know. I know my blind spots. <laughs> um, you know your weaknesses. You know your blind spots. And what's got a circle of guys around there that's leading men and women, then they cover my weaknesses, they cover my blind spots. That's really, really good. I love that. Um, you know, okay, so those of you who are maybe just tuning in, maybe you skipped over this introduction. Uh, we are talking to Chris Brown, the amazing, the famous, uh, the one that Glenn cannot stop saying great things about, which is awesome. And it's all true. Every last bit of it is true. Um, so speaking of Glenn, so Chris, you, you used to be the high school pastor here. Is there one amazing Glenn story, like one hilarious Glenn story you could kind of give us 
something that would. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I'll do one. It's not necessarily that funny, but to me, it sums up Glenn. We used to have an end of the year annual review where um, Glenn would meet with us pastors and sit there and just talk about, okay, here's how the year's been. Here's what you need to work on. And we would do it in December. And I had, uh, I believe it was after my third one, I told Glenn, I said, Glenn, if we're going to do this review, I need criticism. I need you to tell me here's areas you need to improve on. Here's stuff you need to work on. And if you know Glenn, man, he's like, ah, <laughs> man, just tell you, we love what you're doing here. Oh, I mean, we love what's happening. Oh, I mean, everything's so, and I said, Glenn, I get that. I get you're a huge fan. This <laughs> I need criticism. And let me tell you, if you don't come with negative or criticism, I'm not going to come to the meeting. And he kind of laughed. He's like, yeah, you know, Chris, this is so good. I worked there four and a half more years, and I never had an annual review with Glenn <laughs> um, because that guy was just not going to bring criticism. He is the most encouraging man I have ever been around. And uh, and sometimes, you know, we make fun of it, even more so. I said it a couple years ago when I came to Purpose Church. I said, you know, if Glenn ever met Satan, he would encourage him. I believe that. <laughs> yeah, I agree. You're not like, hey, I disagree with your tactics. I disagree with the direction you're heading. But, man, you do your job so well. Oh, you're the best at it. And he's just, it, it's he's incapable of not encouraging people. And I love him to death for that. I know. He's the, he's the best person to work for. Uh, one of the things that I love about Purpose Church is that it is an actual, it's a healthy environment. And all that comes from leadership. It's a trickle-down kind of health from Glenn. He's very vulnerable. He's very authentic in the way that he leads. What you see is what you get when he's on, when he's on, you know, when he's on stage, like that is the guy that you run into in the hallways at church, uh, you know, and he'll stop and he'll talk to you and he's open. And so anyway, so those of you who are listening that maybe think, you know, this is too good to be true. <laughs> it isn't. He really is that guy. Um, that's really cool. Well, I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about what you talked about on Sunday. Um, for those of you who weren't here, I encourage you to go back uh, to the archives uh, and check this out. So we are going to have little spoilers here. Uh, so if you weren't church on Sunday, I strongly encourage you to go back, access the archives at purposechurch.com slash category slash sermons. Um, and so that you can know exactly what we're talking about. Um, just a real quick summary. Chris talked about life in the spirit. Uh, he talked about living the Christian life and how, how Christians kind of get focused on on the death of Christ, and we don't actually realize that Christ died so that he could put himself back in us, we could live this life, and, and in Christ we can actually fulfill the law, we can do everything and live this abundant life that, that he designed us for. Um, and I, I love that. I think it may be, it may be the actual gospel. It, it is the gospel. Uh, it's not just that Christ died for your sins. It's way, way more than that. So, um, you came to that realization in your 20s um, and that focus on the death of Christ, all that kind of stuff, and that there was something more to Christianity. Explain that a little bit, because I, I think it's the crux of everything. Yeah, I, you know, and you'll discover people that just go, oh, I tried Christianity. Mm -hmm. You know, it's something I tried and I found it lacking, or hey, it didn't work for me. And Christianity isn't something you try. It's not a religion that, hey, let's just go sample this, see if it fits me or my lifestyle. And yet that was kind of my view on it because I grew up in a church that told me that, you know, Jesus loved me, that God died, you know, sent his son to die for you. 
And it was all about the cross. It was all about God loves you that he sent his son. Jesus came to die for your sins. You need to, you know, ask forgiveness. You need to ask him to come in and save you. And then the rest of your life, you work for him. You serve him. And that's what I said that, you know, Sunday, that's just such a pathetic definition of Christianity that we would work for God. Right. You know? Um, um, that we would even be called slaves when Jesus himself says, look, I don't call you slaves. Um, and so uh, it's the story of the Bible. It's the story of the prodigal son, you know, that goes off and wants to live his life by himself and comes to his senses and comes back home. Mm-hmm. I think the story isn't about the son that went out and lived a crazy life and came back. The story is about the son that stayed home, who came to his father and said, all my life, I've been working for you. I've never disobeyed you, and I've never been able to celebrate. Mm. Um, and that is what happens when you fall into, well, Jesus died for me, so the rest of my life I work for him. You are going to work your whole life, try to obey all of his orders, and you're never going to celebrate. When the father's response in that story in Luke is, my son, I have been here the entire time. Everything I have is yours. Who told you to be a slave? Mm. You know, he just, I'm supposed to work for dad my whole life. And it's like, well, no wonder why you don't celebrate. So I had an older brother um, just sit me down in his garage in my early 20s. And he saw my life. He saw I was drifting. He saw what I was into. And he knew why it wasn't working for me. And he's the one that sat down and showed me Romans 5, 8 through 10. And just, Chris, your entire view of Christianity is about a Jesus that died for you Mm -hmm. with a dead Jesus. You know, you can pray to a dead Jesus, you can work for a dead Jesus, but you don't get life from a dead Jesus. And he was the one that showed me, you know, Paul's writing, if you think you're saved by his death, how much more are you going to be saved by his life? If you were brought to God by the death of his son, how much more, he repeats it a second time, are you going to be saved, you know, because he lives? And then the rest of Romans is talking about what we do through Christ. And, and that's where my brother said, you know what? Jesus died for you, but he rose from the dead to be in you. To walk yes. With. Well, right. And I loved what you said about how many Christians live their lives for Christ and they never figure out how to live their lives in Christ. And I think there's a, there's a, a humongous difference because living for Christ gets really... And, and if you look over history, this is interesting. I've studied you know, the spiritual biographies of a lot of people. I've read a lot of books about people that were Christians in the in the past. And there's always a common th- a theme for the people that are really effective for the kingdom. They often come to the point where they realize they cannot do Christianity. Most of the time, you know, a person like a Hudson Taylor or somebody that, that I mean, people like Reese Howell's intercessor, you know, all that stuff, they come to this realization, I can't do Christianity. It's impossible and then Christ somehow in their lives goes, yeah, that's what I was hoping you'd say. Now I can work in you and through you. Um, and then that rest that comes in the work, kind of that abundant life that, that Jesus talks about is on the other side of that realization. It's like, I can't do this. I need to die to myself. I need to die to my own dreams about what Christianity looks like. And, um, and then I need to let Christ live in me. It says that in the scripture, Christ in you is the hope of glory, you know. And so... That's that's it. Christ in you. I'm crucified with Christ. Not I live, but Christ lives in me, you know, and um, I, I love that. And I, I think that many Christians don't understand this. Have you run into this? Do you, do you think people hear this and they go, I've heard this my whole life? Sure. Uh, I, well, some are like, man, I've never heard this before. Others yeah. are like, yeah, yeah, I've heard it my whole life. Every day I try to die to myself. It, you know, it's not my desire and wills, but God's will. And mm-hmm. I'm like, 
nah, that's just another way of working for God. You're right. getting you, and now you're trying to work for God. This isn't, I love what you said. It's dying to self so that mm. his spirit can be in you. It's not just death to self so that I can pursue God. And, and I look, if you do a 30,000-foot overview of the entire book of Romans, this is what Paul is writing to the entire Roman Empire. You know, mm-hmm. and I believe Romans is the only book that the Apostle Paul wrote. Everything else he wrote was a letter, mm-hmm. uh, a letter to answer a question, a letter to encourage a church that he planted. And then he sat down and said, I'm going to actually write a book that I believe had been in his heart for decades. Mm-hmm. This is the gospel. This is the story of God that the Roman Empire needs to hear. Mm-hmm. One, two, and three. We're all sinners. We all fall short. None of us can ever get to heaven on our own. He slices that thing five different ways. Middle of chapter three. But here's what we didn't know. God was coming to us to give us a righteousness that we couldn't do on our own. Chapters four, just saying, hey, it's a faith thing. It's not works. It is faith. An entire chapter on, guys, it's your faith. It's not for. And then five and six gets into this. So it is the Spirit of God in you. It is Christ in you. If you thought you were saved because he died for you, that was right. chapter 3. Now let me tell you, and the rest of the book shows us what it's like to live in Christ. And he's going to get to the end of 7 and just simply say, I know the things I ought to do, I don't do them. And the very things I know I should do, I don't do. What a wretched man I am. Who's going to save me? He mm. gets that. If you're trying to live for God, you can't do it, and it's just going to be a constant battle. Mm-hmm. Chapter Eight, the entire thing goes, so here's how you daily set your mind on the Spirit instead of the flesh. Here's how you walk in the Spirit. So you have a dwelling of the Spirit in your life. Here's how you walk daily so it fills your life. And then we are called, Ab, you know, we call them Abba. Um, we are children, and we are not slaves. We have this relationship, and this whole thing just fleshes out. So what it means for us, what it means for the church, and the rest of the book of Romans. Yeah. And that's the gospel. You know, the gospel is Jesus died for you, yes. Jesus died for your sins to forgive you, yes. But he did that to clean sin out of your life so he can inhabit you. We are his avatar. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I think there's this saying that I really like. Major Ian Thomas always said it. God, Jesus, or Jesus came and died. God um, came and died not to, just to forgive our sins. He came and died to put the Holy Spirit back, to put God back into a human being. That's the whole point, because that's what was missing since the fall. So, um, you know, through Adam, we lose the Holy Spirit, and through Christ, we gain it back. Now, we gain the indwelling life. That's what we're designed for. And um, so the question that I have is this, and I always, I love to ask this question to people that get this. Um, so what this requires of us is to learn how to hear the voice of God and learn how to obey it. It, it, it simplifies Christianity significantly, and it kind of makes it about, let's, okay, I'm hearing him, and I'm obeying him. How do we do that? How do you hear the voice of God? Um, what What would you tell our listeners about that? What can they be looking for? I would say start simple, and I think we miss this step. You know, people are like, okay, now I got to tune into the Spirit. Now I got to hear the voice of God. And we always talk about hearing God as our feelings. You know, kind of our desires. I feel like God's telling me. I feel. I'm like, man, I have learned. Do not trust your feelings. Do not trust your heart. The Bible is clear on that. You know, the heart is deceitfully wicked. Um, don't follow that. And people go, well, how do I hear God? And I always say, okay, you're not going to like my answer, but, but just think it through. He wrote you a book. <laughs> you know? And if you cannot follow what he specifically has written you, 
Why do you think he would ever whisper to you? Why do you think he would ever move in you? I mean, I know you want to have experiences. I know you want to hear voices of God. I know in Christianity there's a lot of people that run after those that hear God or say it's from God. Mm -hmm. I think there's an incredible danger in that. And I always say start simple. Walking in the Spirit, hearing God, is simple. He gave us a manual. And that's why Jesus constantly will say, if you love me, you will obey me. Obey me. He never said, you're going to hear my whisper. Man, you're going to get warm fuzzies. During worship, you're going to tear up. He says, if you love me, you will obey me. If, if you're struggling with that, read the entire book of First John. It's a small little book, probably only three pages in your Bible. But it keeps breaking down constantly. If you say you love God, you will obey him. If you're not obeying him, you don't really love God. You love the idea of God. And so I always tell people, look, you want to walk in the spirit, walk in the word. And I promise you, when you are walking in obedience, um, the spirit of God is going to become more and more real in your life. You're going to look more in your rearview mirror than in your windshield and see God and the spirit in your life. Yes. Yes. I love that. Um, I, I think that learning how to walk in the spirit, learning how to be obedient, you're right. It has everything to do with learning what's in the scripture, learning what's in the Bible. Um, God God gives us the Bible as this tool to kind of reveal. My 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 grandfather always used to say that there's five ways that God speaks. And the first way is through the scripture. The second is through, yeah, that still small voice. He does use that. He also uses wise counsel and he uses, you know, preaching and things like that um, that are that are that align with the scripture. And then he also uses dreams and prayers and, and that kind of stuff, your prayers, your dreams. And then finally he uses circumstances and, you know, whatever pop culture stories, narratives, you know, but it's interesting how, so God's always communicating is the point. He's constantly communicating. The primary way he communicates is through the scripture. Um, I have a story. So the Lord asked me to die to acting years ago. Um, and, you know, in, in scripture, there's so many, there's such a precedent for us dying to things that um, that we love, that God, you know, we kind of feel like is promised to us, and then God requires them, and we have to put them on the altar. Um, and somebody last night was asking me, like, how did you know? How did you know the voice of God? And I was like, well, the narrative throughout Scripture was constant. It was a repeated thing where people had to die to things, had to give things up that they loved. And so when it came to me, because I knew the Scripture, I knew that God was asking me to do that because I could feel it, but also because the precedent was already set. Like, this is the way that when people are interacting with God, they have to do this. You know, they have to surrender things that they love so that God can have them and own them and then take them and use them for his His purposes versus the way that we want to do them. We want to use them for our own purposes. Um, and that gets back to that obedience that Chris was talking about there. Yeah. It does. It gets back to the obedience, but it also kind of find you find out where you fit in the narrative of the entire scripture. You're like, oh, okay, I fit. Okay, the stories are here. The scripture's here. This is how people interact. When people love God, they obey God, and they surrender things that they love. Well, and you guys let me know what you think, but uh, I think kind of at the crux of it, though, is we've got people coming into the church, and we're telling them that you're going to find a purpose here. You're going to find life here. And then maybe there's something that's counterintuitive to our human nature when we're saying, but you're going to have to die to something, but you're going to have to give up something yeah. to, to receive something. You know what I mean? And maybe this is hard for us to get our minds around. We're thinking we've got to be doing something and not sacrificing. Right? Yeah, we'd be, be doing, doing something, something or that God wants us just to have everything good in our lives, you know, and like you get the prosperity gospel. It's like, he just, you know, testify to your wallet. Um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that's kind of the, that's the crux of what it means to be a Christian in many ways. 
Have you ever had anything like that in your life where God's like, hey, I require this. This is mine. Uh, it's something that you love that God was like, put this on the altar. I might provide a ram. I might not. <laughs> Have you ever tried that? Yeah, and, and I think it goes back to exactly what you said. It, you know, I love your grandfather. Hey, five ways God speaks. And yet I would even put an emphasis on not primary, but first and foremost, you have to start with the word and obedience because we live in a day and age where people are like, yeah, 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 yeah there's the Bible, but I'm seeking the spiritual stuff. Hmm. And I look at it and go, God does not work outside of his word and God will never work against his word. Hmm. And so you want to start being someone that walks in the spirit, you walk in faith. And the faith is trusting God enough to simply do what he says. That's faith. Not uh, believe exists, not believing, oh, I believe Jesus died on the cross, I believe, demons believe that, okay? Hmm. We're not comparing heaven with demons. Faith is trusting God enough to go, there's parts of this Bible I don't get, I don't like, I disagree with. Hmm. Here's my, I trust you make a better God than I do, so I'm going to believe it anyway. Uh, and when you're walking in that, then I do believe God speaks. I do believe then, and there's no substitution, by the way, for time. It's just like any other relationship. Hmm. You're going to fall in love day one immediately. The more time you put in, the more you walk with this, the more you're going to discern the Spirit's voice and what He wants and what He says and what I do. And, and, and just like my relationship with Amy, we've been together now 23 years where I know what she wants. She doesn't have to tell me. I know when there comes to choices that I need to make about where we're going to dinner or where we're going for vacation or my schedule. I know Amy's voice without ever asking it. I'm like, I just, I know that woman. Right, right. There's no substitution for time when it comes to walking with God. So I want to encourage those that go like, oh, I just want this now. Well, you're not going to get it now. Um, you're going to walk. And the more you walk, the more you're going to walk by faith. And the more the Spirit's going to grow in you. And it's sort of a dimmer switch principle. You know, it's on or off, man. The more you're going to see the light, the more you walk in it, the more clear you're going to see the light. And then the light's going to shine through you. And so, yeah, there's been times in my life where God said, here's your dream, kill it. Yeah. Um, I think for me, shared leadership is one of those. Mm. I will never be a guy in leadership that's like, oh, that's the Chris Brown show. Oh, that's what Chris Brown built. Man, that's Chris Brown's ministry. And, you know, there's mm. a part that still envies that. And yet that was something that uh, about 10 years ago now we had to come to a head with and, and was given everything I ever wanted in ministry mm. and had to look at that straight in the face and say, that's not me um, because my mm. call do shared ministry and that means I'll live in someone else's shadow that means other people are going to get the credit for what I do that means it's not yeah. going to be just me and mm. and that's a death like for you in acting that was a yeah. death dream 10 years ago for me I don't regret it a bit but mm -hmm. um, one that you have to look back on and anytime it rears its head today to go nope yeah. I already thing off. well that's an experience that I, I feel like that experience continues like we have we have to continue to die to the things that God requires of us. Like I, so about, about 10 years ago, I guess 12 years ago, God was like, I want you to die to acting. You can't have this. And, um, and you know, people, well, many people would come in and say, Hey, you know, if you die to acting, God will give you something better. And, um, they were totally wrong. Like it doesn't, that's not what, <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess in, in some sense they were right because it's like, yeah, maybe he'll give me something better that he defines as better. Right. Yeah. But, what does better mean? Right. right. Yeah. So it's like, but, but he, he, what I get in return is intimacy with him because I'm being obedient. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's actually what I get. Not necessarily something, some better part or whatever. So my dream of being Anakin Skywalker, you know what I mean? Like goes the way of the dodo, but I get Jesus. 
And and then God continue. I, I find this again. It, it pops up every once in a while where God has. I have to put that back on the altar. I got an opportunity to be in a, a big film a couple of years ago, or about a year ago, and to play this Russian gangster, and it was a big deal. I was going to be working with actors that like I know and respect, and I was really really excited about it. it was going to be super cool, and God said no. So I got the gig, and God was like, "No, Jared, <laughs> you have to turn this down." And I I I made. And I mean, like I, my agent was really angry at me and all this kind of stuff went down, but God wanted me to, to sacrifice that to him. And then in return, he's given me more things that he wants me to do. And so it's, it's a great, con- it's a, it's, I get him in return, but still God wants me to give those things up every once in a while. And I'm just like, okay, Lord, if you want me to do that, I'll walk in obedience. I will be, I'll be obedient, man. Even though it hurts, I'll be obedient. And, um, there's an eternal dream that has to come before an American dream. And that's exactly what you're saying. He did not give me a better American dream. Yeah. I like yeah. Return of dream. You know, 150 years from now, no one's going to be walking up saying you're that actor. You know, <laughs> that's in true. Heaven, in eternity, people won't be noticing others on the street and running up and go, oh, whoa, you're that guy that played in in eternity with now the scoreboard that's different. People are going to be running up going, you're the guy that did the podcast that. Yeah. You're the guy that led worship when I. And and so that dream is going to last, mm. you know, thousands upon thousands of years. What I had to put to death was my next 40, 50-year dream. Um, mm. And that hurt because right now you look at it and go, well, what God's doing isn't a better an American dream in my life. And I believe it is impossible to pursue the American dream and the kingdom dream. Um, I love one- that. One has to win out. And this dying to self is that understanding that I'm now following a different scoreboard in what I do in life, what I do with what I make in life, with my generosity, with my time. I don't live for things that pay off for the next 30, 40, 60, 80 years. Mm-hmm. I live for things that are going to pay off for the next 30,000, 60,000, 80,000 years. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's and an amazing point. It's an amazing point. And, and I... Go ahead. As Romans 12 goes, God's going to change you. When you offer yourself daily as a sacrifice, he's going to renew your mind, and the Spirit does that. Mm-hmm. That's why we can't live the Christian life. I would never change that scoreboard. I would never see things with an eternal perspective. I would always see what's best for Chris and my family and my fishing boat right now. That's what I'm going to see. Um, mm-hmm. and God goes, no, it ain't about a fishing boat. It's about what you're doing. And and the Spirit changes that mind, the renewing of your mind. Mm-hmm. Then you know what God's will is, his good, perfect, and pleasing will, Romans 12. And again, that's why what you're talking about today, if we're not walking in the Spirit, we are going to be walking in the American dream, not a dream. And he has to change those priorities, not us. Well, and I love that. Uh, Dr. Caleb, so uh, my, my co-host, Caleb Spencer, who's not on today, unfortunately, um, I have, we were making that distinction between the American dream and the kingdom and how those two, those two things are separate. Uh, definitely not the same thing. And how to be a Christian in the middle, in, in kind of a middle-class culture, it's, it's very difficult because the pull of the American dream is there. Um, but the pull of the kingdom is always like, kind of like this self-deprecating, like, you know, you don't get to do the things that you wanted to do in your flesh. You know, that God kind of requires a bunch of stuff and it's always self-sacrificing. And, um, and so anyway, there's a big distinction. And I think us as Christians and especially younger millennials and things like that, we need to know um, that that's what is required of us. It's not about living this American dream. It's about him. It's not even about the other thing is the, on the opposite side, it's not even about doing the social justice thing without him. Cause that's the, that's the other side of the log where you're working 
you're working for Christ versus working in Christ. So it's like, you know, you could go out and serve the poor or whatever, but if Christ didn't ask you to do it, you know what I mean? Like, then, specifically, like, then? then it's not going to be worth anything yeah. in the end. You can do all these works, and it says they're like filthy rags. And so we're learning how to hear his voice, be obedient in the moment, and figure out what God's designed you for, and, and pursuing what he wants with him is the best thing. So yeah. Um, so anyway, so Chris, so thank you so much. That's an amazing conversation, but let's, I just want to take one more. I want to turn the conversation a little bit to talk to you about something that I am fascinated by with you. Okay. Cause you, okay. You are known. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know he's making, he's making wonderful faces right now. If you could see them, um, which you can't, unfortunately, um, that's okay. Anyway, so what I'm interested with you, you are known as a storyteller. And um, he's disapp- I can see your forehead. You're known as a storyteller. So you kind of got this, you, if you, like your name is synonymous with amazing storytelling. Not very many people are as good at storytelling as you. Um, I, I love stories. I, I'm a humongous, like, I, I mean, we made a movie a couple years ago. Like, I love telling stories uh, that illustrate points um, because people are emotionally connected initially. Uh, to whatever happens. You start a story like, he didn't know it was going to be that kind of night. You know, like <laughs> that's like a Chris Brown start. It's not like it was a stark and it was a dark and stormy night. You always start from the person's perspective. And I love that. I want to know where that came from. First of all, I want to know how you perfected it. And I want to know how I can steal it from you. Okay, go. It came from doing a lousy job as a youth pastor in a city called Pomona. <laughs> Many moons ago. I thought you were out. Many moons. He didn't know it was going to be that kind of ministry. It was that kind of ministry. <laughs> and, and in all honesty, it did. When I teach storytelling, I actually teach a storytelling class at Bethel University down here in San Diego at the seminary. Cool. Uh, to think that I would ever be teaching teaching is just redunculous. But um, I'm teaching workshops uh, throughout the country throughout the year and then teach at Bethel on it. And I, I absolutely love it. It's my favorite thing to do. Um, and it came from doing bad ministry. It came from loving students in Pomona, um, creating an atmosphere at a campus on Holton Gary that students could come to. The youth ministry was growing, but it was basically a YMCA with a cross on top. People were changing. Um, people were being attracted to the fun, the games, um, myself and a couple of the young adults that were just loving high schoolers. But I, I had not found out my voice yet in teaching. And I was coming up with great stories about growing up in West Texas, about shotguns and motorcycles and car accidents. And then I would tag in a couple Bible verses to make it somewhat biblical. And no wonder students weren't growing. And what I realized was um, everyone was remembering my stories and not his. I was raising a generation of Chris followers. Mm. And it was supposed to be a T at the end of that. Mm. And I felt like I was failing miserably. Um, I thought my gift of storytelling was to come up with great, crazy, wild stories that would entertain high schoolers so they could get sucked into the boring Bible and have a few verses that make sense to them. Mm. Um, And it was on a road trip, actually, um, listening to a tape from a guy called Garrison Keillor, an old-time story, amazing storyteller about a fictional place called Lake Wobegon. And I was listening to a cassette back then, and he got me into the Christmas story without me realizing it was the Christmas story. And for me, the lights went on. I thought, why don't I tell his stories, not my stories, mm. stories, not Chris's? 
And so I came back and I thought we're going to lose students. I came back and we kind of shut down some fun and games. We shut down the big gym nights. We're just going to start teaching the Bible. Um, we're going to lose a lot of kids, but we got to do this right. And I just threw myself into how do I teach God's stories? Now, here's the deal. What, Jared, I mean, you're a story guy. What kind of stories can you tell best? Uh, I can tell <laughs> funny stories. <laughs> They're the easiest. You know the best. What stories? My own. I mean, my own stories. Why? Because I lived them. And that is you know? exactly why you can't tell Bible stories that well. Yeah. I can tell stories of rattlesnakes in Texas. Um, I can tell stories of firework explosions that we did, dirt bike races, everything I lived, I can tell them the best. Right. Come to teaching the Bible, the Bible to our stories because we can't tell them as well. And I knew that. So I started opening up the pages, crawling into the script. They're real people in real times, in real place. How do I walk the cobblestone? How do I put my back to the building and watch the bleeding woman touch Jesus? And it wasn't until I entered the stories and saw the lens of Scripture is begging us to go there. Mm. Yes, it's giving us the sights, the sounds, the emotions, the places, the crowds, the time, the date. Scripture is begging us to stand there. Mm. It's giving and, you the content already. It's there. Yeah. What's that? It's giving you the content. It's, it's there. You need. And I call it the lenses. When I teach this, I say, look at the different lenses of Scripture. Um, they're giving you everything you need for us then to enter the scene. I sit there and I read the script over and over. I try to watch this scene from five or six different angles. And it's amazing then what you can do with that text. Now I back out of it. I have everyone open it and I try to take them in this weekend. I try to tra take them into the crowded city of Jerusalem, the upper room. What was happening that night? Instead of just reading verses from John 14 and 15. Right. What was the time and the place? And it brings new life to the word because you realize what stake famous last words is at the end of three years the crowds outside are wanting a kingdom and jesus that night's like nope i've got to tell you the new plan the new plan is i'm leaving it's christ in you this is going to blow the doors off the world and to me the context changes the scripture mm. and so what i do is i try to teach people how do you walk into the text once you make it your own you can tell it as if you were there because you just went there and uh, so that's how I, in a nutshell, kind of how I do storytelling with the word. Okay, how can I uh, take your class, first of all? When are you teaching? Well, we do a workshop about four times a year here. It's a two-day workshop. Uh, Larry Osborne, my co-pastor, and I do a, it's called an A-plus teaching workshop. It's two days of just teaching. A big part of that is storytelling. A lot of that's the use of just how to become better communicators. Mm. Um, so that's one way. Another way is... Uh, there's a, a preaching to postmoderns uh, class at Bethel Seminary in San Diego. That's the one I grew up, and I nights, and we just talk about communicating. My first step, though, is find your own voice. Mm. You know, I really try to teach people how do you find your own voice? What is it you're good at? What makes you tick? Um, what is what is uniquely you? We live in a day and age where great teaching and communicating is a click away. That's amazing to listen to, to learn from. But for communicators, it's the kiss of death. Because now we are trying to become Andy Stanley. Right. We are trying to become Mark Rochelle, Craig Rochelle. We are trying to become Mark Driscoll. We are, and I think because we listen to what great communicators are, we haven't spent time developing our own voice and the great communicator in us. So I teach that, teach storytelling. And um, 
conferences all over I teach this junk at. I think there's one going on this week at Palm Springs. I think I got a breakout session on Friday. If mm-hmm. you're in the area on um, on seeing and teaching the Bible in 3D is kind of what I call the course. Gosh. Okay. So that's a really amazing thing. That I, I have a feeling that that's going to affect the way that I approach things. Uh, so those of you who are listening, don't be surprised if I start ripping off Chris Brown. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to find my own voice. That's- I tell people all the time, even in secular culture, when I do this, I go, guys, I use the Bible as my meat and my method, but you can do this for anything. We've opened up nursery rhymes and told the story of Jack and Jill from three different points of view or the three little pigs and mm. you know, in the forest and watching instead of first person. My entire Christianity, people told me the story as if it was ancient literature. And if they told the story, it was only done with the characters on the scene. It was never done through the point of view of the crowd. It was never done through the point of view of the concerned, those looking outside. And yet every biblical story has real people in real time, in real place. And when you can just pull up a rock and sit there and look at it from four or five different angles, I promise it's going to speak to you in some amazing ways. That's amazing. Uh, that That is incredible. And I... Um... I, I'm always impressed by your ability to tell stories. I think that's my favorite. That's my favorite thing about you. Well, other than your handsome beard, I think it's an amazing beard. Um, really, is nice. Uh, yeah, but I, uh, I, I want to become a better teacher, better storyteller. So I think that's it's going to affect me uh, pretty deeply. Um, when I hear you do it, it, it seems to make sense to me uh, also. So I don't know if that makes sense, but. Um, some stuff on it. Uh, I've got a website, pastorchrisbrown.com. It's got some stuff on storytelling. But more than anything, it's just got a ton of biblical stories for those that like storytelling. There is absolutely nothing for sale on that site. I, I have that is worth buying. But pastorchrisbrown.com will put you into a ton of stories, biblical stories and narratives to click on. Sometimes just listening to other people doing something, you're like, oh, I see how this happens. So for storytellers, if you're out there, that may be a help to you. Awesome. That's really great. Hey, guys, I think we're about up. I think our time's about up right now. Thank you so much, Chris Brown, for coming in. Uh, That concludes our episode. If you guys haven't found us on iTunes yet or if you haven't given us a five-star review, please do so. That helps us a ton. Uh, Also, if you want to comment, please go to the Facebook page, Young Adults Purpose. Oh, no, Young Adults Pomona. No, Purpose Young Adults Pomona is our Facebook page. (laughs) So uh, check it out. Yeah. Yeah, I don't understand. I didn't hear what you just said. What did you say? Then what is that Facebook page? For? <laughs> it is uh, Young Adults Purpose Church Pomona Facebook Young page. Purpose Church Pomona. <laughs> yeah. All right. So this is episode six. Thanks. This is going to conclude our podcast. We want to thank you so much for listening to the show. If you'd like to send us feedback, uh, you can do so also at podcast at purposechurch.com. You can follow us on Instagram at Purpose Pomona. Uh, or again at the Facebook page. So uh, if you'd like to follow me, you can do so at twitter.com slash Jarrett Lamaster, or you can come talk to me after one of the services. Guests, uh, you can find, um, let's see, Chris Brown, where can people, can people connect with you? Or are you kind of like, you're, you're like too busy for that? I mean, you're kind of a celebrity. It's hard to, hard to track you down. Is there anything, any way people can interact with you? Okay. All right. Anybody wants to, yeah. PastorChrisBrown.com has all of my uh, social media stuff on there. Also has how to get a hold of me. Um, PastorChrisBrown.com also has a link to our church, NorthCoastChurch.com, for all of our messages, all of our emails, and uh, those are fun ways to do it. 
That's great. Thank you so much. Okay, Purpose Church, uh, Purpose Podcast is a Purpose Studios production. For more information on other shows in the Purpose family, head on over to PurposeChurch.com or follow us on Facebook or on Instagram. Thanks for listening. Let's connect on Sunday in a small group or at a service opportunity, and let's get deeper. Uh, for my, my, my producer, David yes. Brandon, and for our guest, <laughs> Chris Brown, we will see you Sunday or next time on the Purpose Podcast.